Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Let's get started. Uh, Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Lord, dare I say thank you for the challenges that met us this week. Some of us, we drug ourselves in here this morning. But Father, we're grateful that you're good despite the things that we go through. Our situations and our circumstances don't change who you are, oh God. So Father, we just pray that this morning, Lord, I might decrease, that you might increase in this space, that you will speak to our hearts and teach us more about your goodness. Father, we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Audio team, I'll do my best to sit still. I hear the squeaking. I'll do my best. Um, and as we wind down the year, many of us will attest that it's been a busy year for most of us. Some of us will even go as far as saying it's been a challenging year for a lot of us. Based upon the feedback that I got from last week's sermon, I think that a lot of us are going through some things. Um, and I don't want to sound cynical, don't even want to sound flippant, but that's life. The Bible teaches us that life is short and full of trouble. And so in light of that, and in light of us learning about who Jesus is in this season, today we're going to talk about Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. In 2018, many of us have experienced failed relationships, people just walking away for no apparent reason. Many of us have endured bad health reports. Some of us have lost jobs and homes and cars and stuff. Death of loved ones. We've had two unexpected deaths in our community. Some of us are wrestling with anxiety and depression, feelings of inadequacy. Some of us are even challenged with not measuring up to our own standards, what we thought we were going to become in 2018. Because in January, it's on and popping. We have this, this resolution and we say, this year, I'm going to get it together. And then about three months in, we figure out that I'm just the same old me. And I can't go further. And the tragic reality is life is tough. And many of us just want peace. Just want peace. God, send me peace. Your scriptures say you make me lay down by the still waters. I want some of them still waters right now, Jesus. The challenge is not that Jesus did not come to bring peace. The challenge is our understanding of what that peace is. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus even said, he said, don't think that I've come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. What he was meaning by that was life is still going to go on. Relationships are still going to be trash. He's, he's coming to divide. He's coming to draw a line in the sand. He's coming to show us that we have right standing with God. 
And so we miss peace because we don't understand the biblical definition of peace. Peace does not mean that you're absent from conflict. I'm going to say that again. Peace does not mean that you're absent from conflict. Now, you, there might be an absence of conflict as a, as, as a manifestation of certain areas of peace, but it doesn't mean that conflict is not there. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Case in point, men in a space, men in the house. You said something to your wife that you know you shouldn't have said. Maybe you said it twice. It caused a cold shoulder in the home. And because you wanted peace in the home, maybe you went out and bought some flowers. I don't know why. I see, I'm, I'm, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I don't understand why the floral industry has done this to us. You go out and you buy flowers. You go out and perhaps you go out and you buy candy. And the wife goes, oh. And things get better, right? Rosie rolled her eyes. No, it don't get better. Just because you brought a peace offering doesn't mean peace was established. You got some explaining to do after you bring the peace offering. You bring it into the home and she might smile and like, oh, those are daffodils. But she ain't forgot what you said yesterday. And she's looking for a little bit of peace and reconciliation. Which means putting things back the way that they were if you can. And that's the biblical definition of peace. When you look in the Bible, that word is shalom. Shalom. And shalom, actually, at the core of what shalom is, is you take something complicated that's broken apart and you put it back and you restore it to the way that it once was. That's why in the scripture where it talks about peace with your neighbor, say, for instance, your neighbor, uh, 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 you, you accidentally slaughter one of your neighbor's livestock. You just can't say, I'm sorry, here's some flowers for your livestock. I got this Hallmark card because I was thinking about you. No, what you have to do is you have to give restitution for that livestock, that animal. Maybe give one of yours or give a compensation for that. But, you, but it's designed to bring peace. And it says, I'm going to restore things back to the way that they were. That's what Jesus came to do. Flowers don't quite cut it. You see, the biblical idea of peace is shalom, which means complete or whole. And Jesus came to make us complete or whole. It's Christmas time, so you know we got to go there. Isaiah 9, 6. Meet me there if you got a Bible. Isaiah 9, 6. When you get there, say, amen, pastor. Uh-oh, somebody getting on their phone. Playing Angry Birds, one or other. Give me a light. Amen. One person got it. Anybody else got it? Amen. 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 So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Underline this in your Bible. If you mark your Bible, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, 
who establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And sometimes we read scripture and we read it just kind of like, you know, just this blanket of text. But we got to understand the context of what was going on when Isaiah was prophesying this to the children of Israel. You see, Isaiah was a book that was written. It was actually written uh, 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 as a book of destruction. Like you're going to be destroyed. Like you're going to go into exile. You're going to go into captivity based upon you not living your life to the standards that I have taught you to live your life being the chosen people of Israel. But inside of Isaiah, there was a lot of hope. There was a lot of hope. Kids, like when your parents put you in your room, time out. Some, of you, some parents don't spank, some do. Some put in time out, some do both. And so sometimes when you go into your room for time out, the hope is eventually you're going to get out of time out. If nothing less but to go to school, you're gonna, they got to let you go to school. Unless you're homeschooled, then you're really in trouble. And so God was essentially putting Israel in time out. He was punishing Israel for their actions. And he said, listen, 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 there's a hope, though. Because right now, all these things that you're doing and all these things that you're failing at, you're falling short at, there's going to come an end to this. There's going to come a time where this guy's going to come. His name is going to be Emmanuel, God with us, which is another story for another week. But what he said is he's going to come and he's going to restore peace. Not only that, he's going to be the prince, 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 prince of peace. He's going to be the prince of peace. In other words, he's going to be your peace. And so he spoke about this coming Messiah, and we know that coming Messiah is Jesus. And that's what we celebrate in this Advent season. But some of you are saying, I understand that, I've heard that, I've read that every single Christmas. But where is this Prince of Peace that the Bible speaks of? See, some of us are seeking a ceasefire, but we don't want peace. Some of us are seeking the situation to change in our lives, but we don't want peace. See, you can't have peace in God without peace with God. You can't do it. Some of us, we've been sitting in church our whole life, and we still don't know that we have peace with God. Some of us have come to church, and we haven't, we haven't received the olive branch that was extended towards us to say, God, I want peace with you. Listen, showing up on Sunday mornings ain't enough. You have to be in right standing with God. And some of you might be saying, that's great, Pastor, but how do I get it? What do I need to do? Well, how, how, how do I need to get there? Listen, first and foremost, you need to submit your life and your will to the Prince of Peace. You want peace? You have to submit your will to the Prince of Peace. Oftentimes, we're going through the tumultuous stuff in our lives, because, because, because it's self-inflicted. And then we want God to come and rescue us and ransom us. Oh, come, Emmanuel, after you done did it. You go rob the bank, and while you're sitting in the back of the police car, you praying, God, get me out of this one. You robbed the bank. How you just going to presume on God that you can just go do whatever you want to do, your fool self got yourself into the problem, and then you say, God, come ransom me. Anybody got some old school parents that you did something, they say, you're going to sit down there until you learn your lesson. 
I'm not talking about God. I'm talking about me. I'm sorry. And so Jesus showed up, and he's bringing his peace in installments. Y'all need to hear this. He's bringing us peace in installments. Y'all saying, okay, you, that don't sound biblical. Yes, it do. You see, because when prophecy happens in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, when prophecy happens, he talks about two different moments in time. He talks about Jesus coming to establish some things, but then there's going to be a culmination of when he comes back. The scripture teaches us that when he rode into Jerusalem, he rode in on a, on, on a colt, a baby colt. And so one thing you have to understand about culture back then, when a king was riding in and he was on a peace mission, he would come in on a colt or a donkey. He's saying, I'm not coming to trip. I didn't bring my stallion. See, because when you rode in on a stallion, you mean that it's going to be on and popping. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back one day. And he's going to be on the back of a white stallion to bring culmination to what he came for the first time. And so he brought us peace. And as believers, we are now ambassadors of that peace. And so we must be partakers of the peace in order to share the peace with others because Jesus is coming back. I'm not trying to be deep. Turn in your Bible to John 14, 27. John 14, 27. This is Jesus speaking. You got a Bible with red letters? It'll be written in red because that's Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I get to give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. What is he saying? Listen, you're looking for the world kind of peace, and the world kind of peace is the wrong kind of peace. You need to look for the Jesus kind of peace. You need to seek understanding and right standing with God. You're trying to get up out of your situation. You're trying to get up out of your situation and circumstance without seeking God. And you wonder why it's not working. I'm reminded of a story. Uh-oh, he done got off his notes now. I'm reminded of this story. Anybody heard this story about Jesus being on a boat? And Jesus saying, let us go to the other side. And then something happened while he was on the middle of the boat. In the middle of the, in, he was in the middle of the water. The Bible says that the wind and the waves began to thrash against the boat. And the disciples almost lost their mind. And they had to go find Jesus. Where's the Lord? The Bible teaches us that he was sitting at the bow of the boat on a wet pillow. Sleep. Sleeping. Remember last week when we talked about the waves of life dashing up against us? This is the perfect illustration. Jesus is in the midst of the storm, yet he has peace. Why? Because he understands peace. He is the prince of peace. He has the disciples with them. They're, they're going along with him, and they're thinking they're going to die, that this storm is designed to kill them. And Jesus woke up, and what did he do? Y'all been in church for a while. What did he do? He told the elements. He told the things that were coming against them. Peace, be still. Now, here's the thing. Jesus didn't do that for his sake. Jesus was perfectly fine dreaming. I don't know what the Lord dreams about, but he must have been in some deep sleep. Because I, you ever been asleep and the thunder hit like close to your house and it wake you up in the middle of the night? 
Now imagine being on a boat and that's going on. See, I wake up when it just shake the house a little bit. Jesus must have been in some deep sleep. And he woke up and he rebuked the winds and the waves as an object lesson. To show them, look at my situation. Look how I handled the storm. This is for your benefit, the sheet, for you to see that I am the Prince of Peace. I know exactly what's going on. And any moment when I tell the wind to stop, it's going to stop. When I tell the waves to be calm, they're going to be calm. When I tell the rain to shut it up. Parents, you ever tell your kids to shut it up when they cry? Shut it up. No more tears. If I tell the rain to cease, it's going to, because I am the, listen, listen, I understand that even, listen, not that Jesus would have perished on a boat, but Jesus would have understood that even if he perished on a boat, he'd be perfectly in the will of God. And that the situation and circumstance that was coming against him was not equal to him because he was a child of God. He was God's son. The Bible teaches us that we are joint heirs with Christ. See, y'all need to read your Bible a little bit. We are joint heirs with Christ. So what that means is that if I were to die right now, I get the same rewards that, 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 that Jesus secured for me here on the cross in heaven. So even if the situation is there to knock you out, you are equal to it in God. We need peace. But the problem is we don't understand some things. We don't understand that God loves us. We don't understand that we are his children. We don't understand that we're blood-bought. And so you're seeking peace. You're seeking just to get out of the situation. And God's saying, I'm trying to teach you how to live in this situation. And when I'm ready to take you, you're gone. So while you're here, live your life like you're supposed to live your life while you're here. So he's getting back on his notes now. So what are the challenges to this, this peace that we speak of? You see, what Jesus brought was the opportunity for peace that only can be found in him. Jesus is not going to force you into a peaceful situation. Jesus is not going to force you to do anything, but he brought the opportunity. And he laid it right there at your feet. Right there at your feet. And so the first part of peace, the first part of understanding this peace, the first part of securing this peace is to understand that God is no longer angry with you if you believe in him. If you rest your faith in him, God is no longer angry. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Watch this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? With God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you found that peace? Understanding that you're justified in Christ? Understanding that you're joint heirs with him? Understanding that you have fellowship with God that, that, that listen, it's immovable. It doesn't end. You don't lose it. I know some people think you lose your, lose your salvation. If you do, let's go out to coffee. Let's talk about it because I think I can beat you in that argument. Listen this. God wants you to understand that you are intern, eternally secure in him. That should bring you a certain amount of peace. And if that is the truth, like we said a couple of weeks ago, if that is the truth, listen, nothing else matters even. That doesn't mean we don't go through some stuff. That doesn't mean stuff doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean that we don't feel heartache. But at the end of the day, if that's the ultimate truth, then guess what? My life is secure in God. I have peace with God. That's the most important thing. So important that he came and died for us. 
so important that he put on human flesh for us and was born in a manger ugh, as a baby. Skip to verse 10. Watch this. Romans 5.10. It says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled. Listen, here's the truth. God decided to die for you while you were still his enemy. And some of you are like, I ain't never been an enemy of God. Yes, you were. God considered you an enemy. God considers you, considered you opposing to him. And God, so Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's saying, how much more should we have this peace? If when, we, when, if when we were still sinners, he died for us. How much more should we reconcile in our mind that I'm in right standing with God? And here's the thing. Some of us, we haven't even made our mind up about it yet. Yeah, I came down when I was 13. I gave my life. Or when I was 22 or after my second divorce, I gave my life to the Lord. And I've been walking with him ever since. But you still haven't reconciled in your mind that you have peace with God. You still haven't let yourself off the hook. And that's the bane of a lot of our existence. We don't understand what we have in Emmanuel. God with us. Hear that for one second. God with you. Think about your favorite celebrity. Think about your favorite person, the person that you would like to meet in this world. Just, just a person, just a person, just any person, just any person, whether it's the president, not okay, never mind. Um, I always think of the dignitary first, but then when I open up that can of worms, it always starts arguing because it's so divisive. So I'm stop that right now. So whether it's your favorite, whether you're a football uh, 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 enthusiast and it's Nick Saban, or if, if, if it's a great author, if it's a great preacher, or, or, or if, 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 if it's an iconic hero, whoever it is that you would like to meet, imagine that you got a chance to meet that person. And they said that you can go somewhere with them. No matter where you're going, you can go to Starbucks. You'd be excited about going somewhere with that person. Fill that person in the blank. Why is that so important that you could tell your friends, man, you know who I was with the other day? You, 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 you stop smiling so hard. Tell your mama why you smiling so hard. But why would it be so important that you can tell your friends, I was with such and such? Some of you might be Sean Weekly. We got the coffee. I can you brag. You know, I don't care. I don't care. It's cool. It's whatever. But why would that be so important? Because you would say, I'm significant. I'm important based upon the person taking time to spend time with me. Even if that person is just human, like the rest of us. Put his shoes on one foot at a time, unless he's really talented. Or she. Right? But it would be so awesome to say that, like, like I look at the Bible, and I'm like, man, if I could just spend a week with Apostle Paul, I'd just pick his brain. But Apostle Paul would say, like, don't. Look at me like that. Look at God like that. Right? It would be awesome. And so God with us. God with us. Say that real quick to yourself. Just say it to you. Say God with us. Say God with me. Do you really believe that? Kind of. <laughs> That should change your, look, people smile. Like, I looked in the room when I said, people say that. People start smiling a little bit. God with me. God. And so that peace has to be in our knower. That shalom 
has to resonate with us. Remember when I said earlier that Shalom was putting things back to the way that they were? Listen, in the Old Testament, uh, what was designed for Israel, was when, when, when they brought Shalom between two kings, not only did it mean that they stopped fighting with one another, not only did it mean that they were not mad at one another again, it meant that they started a collaborative partnership. Say maybe this king was on the coast and he had a bunch of fish and this king was in the, in the, the high plains and he had a bunch of wheat. They would then set up this commerce together and they would partner and they would collaborate with one another to bring wholeness to the whole community. That's what Jesus came to do. He brought the opportunity. Real quick, look at Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. This is going to give us a big old picture of what the peace that Jesus came to bring looks like. Ephesians 2, 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why are we always talking about this blood? The blood is so important. His death brought you near to God. You were far off, but he shalom. He he put you back where you were supposed to be. For he himself is our, he himself is our peace. He doesn't just bring the peace, he is the peace. In the Old Testament, peace offerings were based upon this person. It was three types of peace offerings, but they were based upon the person thanksgiving to God. God came and said, listen, 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 I don't need no more peace offerings. I'm going to set once and for all the final peace offering. So now you don't have to offer an offering to God of peace. God has already secured it in Christ. And he says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in this flesh, in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. What Paul is really talking about here is that the Jews and the Gentiles were like, like, I can't get along with you because you from, where you from, Venezuela? I don't like Venezuela. Never have, never will. And you don't like me? You don't even know what I am. What am I? I'm Portuguese, okay? No. But people were dividing over ethnic backgrounds, and and there was no real reason for them to do it. And they just hated this person just because there was a dividing wall because of your skin or your ethnicity or or your culture. I didn't like you because of that. And God said, no, 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 no. I came and I came. I I, I came to tear down the dividing wall. Now, you understand it. You were Jew and Gentile. No, no, that's that's not the move no more. That's not the wave like the young kids say now. They don't have the wave. Y'all done moved on? Y'all done said something different now? <laughs> Golly, I can't keep up. But that's not what we do no more. I'm not going dis- to dislike you because you're different than me. Because God has given me peace, and now, therefore, I extend that peace. Y'all see where I'm going with this? There are people at your job right now, you don't like them, not because of their ethnicity or their community or whatever. You just don't like them, but you don't like them. And God said, I told down the wall of hostility. Why are you acting like that? Why are you acting like that? That wall is gone. Why are you acting like that? Did you not see what Jesus did? He did not only come for the Jews, he came for everybody. He didn't only come for my chosen people, he came for everybody so that everybody can be a part of what Abraham started. And so that person that you just really don't like, and you understand, you can't understand why you ain't got no peace because maybe you ain't extending peace. 
And when I said before, the peace that I'm talking about ain't just kind of like we ain't worn no more. I don't spit at their car every time I walk by it no more. Let's just restore some things. Bring your enemy a present. Ooh, don't, don't, pastor, don't you tip, but don't you do that. It's Christmas time. That neighbor that you don't like, listen, go to the $5 store. It don't matter. But if you really mean something, go get something a little more $5. Okay, you see, I got it. All right, all right, all right. That neighbor that you really don't like, that really gets on your nerve, that one that lets his dog do whatever he wants to do on your grass. Buy him a present. Buy him a present. Maybe get one of those nice, go to Petco and say, man, what, what would somebody with a dog really like? And you don't like the dog, but it's, a, it, it, it's trying to, you, you, you're trying to do something inside of you. That sounds too much like Christian behavior right there. I'd rather just do what I do and just not, I just yell at them. I just won't call the police no more. And we're looking for peace. We're looking for the Prince of Peace, and we're falling short. By abolishing the law of the commandments, expressing ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace. Listen, church, we are the ambassadors of peace. Christ did it to make one new man. To show that we are humans. And that God loves humanity. I, I, listen, I be trying not to be controversial, but I just can't help it sometimes. People who don't vote like us, people who don't have the same sexual practices as us. And that doesn't mean that you agree with what they're doing or you agree with their stance or agree with any of that. But what it means is you still need to be loving towards them because they're created in the image of God. And they need to know shalom. Well, I didn't think Christians would want to hang out with me because of the way that I am. No, I want to hang out with you because I'm trying to rub off on you. Don't tell them that, but. You go to the club on this night, and I don't go to the club no more because I'm sanctified now. I still listen to the same songs they play in the club, but I just don't turn up like I used to turn up. And I can't associate with you. You put up this wall of hostility. And we can't make peace here, and we want peace there. And God is saying, listen, 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 listen. It's the season of peace. And I'm coming back. Not coming back on the coat. It's peace time right now. But I'm coming back for what's mine. It might reconcile us both back to God. In one body, through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. The peace that he brings is about access to the Father. And we know that the Father says, how can you say you love me when you can't even love the person right in front of you who's looking right at you? 
because they think different than you. Are you so weak in your faith that you can't hang out with people who think different than you? They might rub off on you. Well, how would they ever know what you think if you don't hang out with them? And then we stand and we just go, come, Lord Jesus. Look at the way that the world is going. All these people, they, ain't get, they got no hope. And we in the church and we ain't got no hope. And we need to get hope so that we can go and spread hope. We need to get peace so that we can go spread peace. We need to get joy so that we can go and spread joy. Listen, we have to understand that we are on assignment. We're on assignment. I love technology. That was great when I got to And so we have this opportunity to peace. And so what do we do about it? You might be asking, okay, you always preach, you know, you say certain things, convicts me. All right, what do I do about it? We have to move towards peace. The peace has been secured. You have to move forward. So how do you move towards the peace? Romans 5.11. More than that, we rejoice also in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. Reconciliation. The Bible teaches us and is telling us to find joy in that reconciliation. Now, when you find joy, there's something about joy that can't be contained. There's something about joy that simply can't, like when a person got joy, you just like, what? Girl, what you, what you, something different? You, you do your hair different today? Like, what's, what's happening? You just wearing something that I don't know what it is, but what? what We walk around, oh, yeah. oh, nobody knows. Like the Pharisees putting on sackcloth ashes, you know, making themselves look disheveled. What's wrong with you? I'm just fasting for breakthrough. I hope you get it. You're scaring me right now. You okay? You need some help? You need to call somebody? So to move towards the joy, I mean, to move towards the peace, we must first find joy. We must rejoice. Find that joy again. Rejoice in what God has done. Listen, there's plenty of opportunity to talk about those things that come against your peace. There's plenty of opportunity. There's plenty of opportunity to just, like, like you just look out there, it's just bad news out there. We're like Evelina from the Wiz. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. We can look at our own life and we can start going, man, if I only, and if this was better, and if this situation was better, and if this, and if this, and before we know it, I'm not a psychologist, but I understand some things about psychology. If you get into that state of mind, you stay in that state of mind, Eeyore. You start manifesting depression type things because you've depressed yourself. 
Now hear me, if you're out there and you got some like real medical imbalance and stuff like that, I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking about the rest of us who ain't got none of that. We just walking around, just we just, we just, we just see the glass half empty all the time. It's just half empty. I don't even got a glass. They ain't got a glass. I ain't even get a glass. So we gotta move towards that peace. What else do we have to do? Remember Jesus said that the peace that he gives is not like the world's peace? Philippians 4. Let's start in verse 4. This will be our last scripture before we do communion. And when we take communion, I want us to take communion today in light of Jesus and his story that I told earlier when he was on a boat and he was just maintaining peace. I want to see Jesus in that light when we take communion today. So Philippians 4, verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So that's the first stuff we talked about. We talked about finding joy. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. We live in a, we live in, we live in an anxiety-filled world. We do. Just anxious about everything and anything. And because our culture is so microwave, like I want it right now. It's been 15 minutes, I ain't got it yet. I start getting anxious. Like, will you give God time to work, please? Yeah, he can do it instantaneously, but he doesn't work that way. Because he's working something on the inside of you. He's trying to teach you how to have peace. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. We had that really on one slide, pro presenter. And the peace of God, that's what we're looking for. The peace of God, which surpasses all your little understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anybody need their hearts and minds guarded? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth, worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the good and the God, sorry, of peace will be with you. And so Paul gave us this, listen, this, this is a treatise. I can preach five weeks on this, on how to get peace. And it starts with here. You make up in your mind, you're going to have the God kind of peace. And how do you attain the God kind of peace? Well, you just, you know, uh, see, some of us, we got this image of peace. Uh, we're on this desert island in between two coconut trees on a hammock. Maybe with a with our favorite beverage, I ain't judging. Whatever your favorite beverage is, and you got you and you got you a, a a a good book, maybe the Bible if you're real sanctified. You just sitting there reading your Bible on this desert island. Parents ain't no kids nowhere to be seen. There's a nanny on the other side of the island with the children, right? And you know, and men maybe you have a big steak sitting next to you watching football. Like that is that's peace. Cowboys winning by 14 points. That's peace. Amen. Somebody said delusional. Wow. Okay. 
way to mess up my peace. And so you just got this, this, this idea of peace that you ain't got to work for. Listen, even in times of peace, you got to work for peace. That's a war going on. Well, you know what? Like, you done killed enough people on our side. We done killed enough people on your side. Let's just be at peace with one another. It don't work that way. You got to fight for peace. Sometimes you got to subdue those areas in your life that don't want peace. And so Paul says, through prayer and supplication. Like you praying about peace. Like I really need peace right now. And not just in those moments where you're about to lose your mind and you're just like, it's like, that, it's, it's like a Hail Mary. Give me peace, Lord. But it's daily you wake up and say, you know what? The peace of God is mine if I just want it. So let me pray today. He says, he says, Anything that's committed, anything that's loving, anything that, 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 that's praiseworthy, think on those things. Stop thinking about the negative stuff. You want peace, but you're thinking about the negative stuff the whole time. Now, I'm not saying, listen, 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 listen. I'm not saying that stuff ain't present. Family members in the hospital, bad, like, you got to attend to some of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about the stuff that we be talking about. Your commute to work is all of 15 minutes and it's a wreck. Oh, Lord, it's going to take me all day to get to work. Oh, Lord Jesus. You in traffic three more minutes. So instead of talking like that, go, God, this is an awesome opportunity. I can listen to one more worship song. Because we all listen to worship music on the way to work, right? God, this is an opportunity for me to pray before I go into this meeting. Because, listen, this meeting is going to be tough, and I don't, I don't feel prepared. So, God, this gives me another three minutes. Think about the, the good stuff. Think about what's coming. God, I'm so blessed that I have a car to drive to work. I done drove past four or five people on the bus and it's cold out yonder. God, thank God that my children, even though they're acting crazy right now, they're people who can't have children. And I'll send miles to them if they want them. The cable's out. God, thank God I have cable. When it come back on, I can finish watching my show. Like, think about those things. Like, you can't let this stuff move you where it gets us all thrown out of whack. He says, think on these things. And if you think like God, this is what Paul is saying, if you think like God, you'll start having God kind of peace. So think on these things. Now, the practical part of it, you got to get in here to think like God. You got to get in here. You want peace and you ain't cracked this open in seven months. You be like me. I'm one of them Christians. I just beat my Bible up on purpose. I don't really be opening this thing up. I just want people to think I'm spiritual. So I just sit up, I just sit at the house like this. You caught me doing it one time, didn't you? Put it in the back of the car in the summertime and let the glue melt a little bit. Make it look worn so I'm spiritual. Look at this Bible. I'm spiritual. I ain't open this thing up. But you got to get in here if you truly want peace. And see, this is the thing. We don't want the God of peace. We want his peace. We don't want him. We want his peace. And God's like, listen, it's a package deal. So that's why you need this peace. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.